You're listening to the Light Forge Podcast, the key to unlocking your arena success with your co-hosts, ADWCTA and Murps. Welcome to the Light Forge Podcast. This is Adwicta. This is Murps. Hello. All right. No big arena news. We're going to talk a lot about BGs. It's coming on Tuesday. I mean, so is BGs, but they announced stuff. I, I know some of you guys are hopeful. It's like, oh, maybe we can get adjustments on Tuesday. Look, nobody has any clue. Nobody has any It's idea. happening. It's happening on Tuesday. Maybe it's happening. You heard it here, not first, but you heard it here too. Okay, so if you're hopeful for adjustments, I don't know. You can stay hopeful. Just don't be too dis- like don't put too much stock into it if it doesn't happen. Yeah. But we know well, that well, we'll talk about BGs first, and then we'll talk about Arena uh, after BGs, because the BGs really has more more news. And the Arena one, uh, I just kind of want to pose a thought a, a thought experiment to you guys. Yeah. So, look. Okay. On the 10th, which is Tuesday, and it's really the day that these things always drop, one of the biggest patches we've seen for BGs will be coming out. Now, you may have said... Merps, you say this all the time. That's because it literally happens for the game mode that Blizzard cares about the most, which is BGs right now. All right. Uh, this is the Naga patch. Uh, we are going to see Nagas introduced as a new minion type. There's going to be lots of changes. I'll go, go through them briefly. Now, if you remember like a year and a half or like two years ago, where I'd be like, oh, this is my thoughts on it. Super in-depth. Uh, that was when I considered myself like a decent player, and I kept up with everything. I still keep up with things, but I am in no condition to say I'm a good player. Are you going to play so, this BG? Oh yeah, after I this will. patch and because oh damn, when's the last time you played BGs? Like seriously, it's, played it's, BGs? Uh, no, it's been like more than a year. I think it's more it's, than it's a been year. Like than okay, a year. wow. Okay, and you're coming back to BGs because of this patch? Oh yeah. Because, number one, the biggest change beyond the heroes, beyond the minions, buddies are disappearing. So they are taking away buddies. If you guys remember way back in like January, they said buddies are not a permanent fixture. You know, it's a big update. It's not going to be permanent. Maybe they'll bring it back in some capacity. I have no idea. But the buddies are finally leaving, which is great. Now, you may be out there and be like, wait, I love buddies. I thought everybody liked them. Uh, it's interesting because Slissa actually had this poll on Twitter and she was like, are you happy or sad oh, yeah. about buddies leaving? And it was exactly 50-50. That has to be trolls, right? Like, do people really still enjoy buddies four months in? I think some people like it. I think some people actually do like, uh, and I don't want to just call them like, casuals um but i but think they're some not people right like, like slissa's audience is like they they are not like like first of all you have to be watching slissa on twitch or you know yeah know no about but her a lot care of them are her. still like pretty casual you know okay casual relative to like our viewers but not actually casuals i like when it comes to the game i don't think right like we're still talking about like a, no, the segment I, I of think, people who i think care a lot of them are casual twitch. players i think you know they can watch her but still be very casual players oh, i mean half yeah like how many people on twitch watch something but barely play it or play it on a very casual level that's actually most of twitch like twitch is no longer sort mm. of like i am super into the game and that's why i will watch this person play that game 
right? Twitch, it's a, it, it, it's, it's a completely different thing now. It's like people that watch Slissa uh, want to watch Slissa for a, if you want to mark it down the pie chart. And then they also have interest, at least in BGs. Maybe it's a very strong interest. Maybe they play a lot. I have no idea. But I think a lot of people uh, would be surprised to see that it is 50-50. If, if you are tuned in... That was in, mind-blowing to me. Yeah. If you are tuned into more of the high MMR or competitive scene, I'm not in it, but I read those comments, right? Like from the leaderboard players, from the top streamers. Uh, a lot of them have for months expressed their frustration with the buddies, the play style that it creates. And the play style is, I think it can be summarized into uh, a very rigid mid game, like early mid game in which you play towards your buddy. So it's, it's less of being flexible and playing with the tavern and more like, what is my buddy? I have to play towards this specific play style that my buddy dictates into a very homogenized endgame, which is Amalgadons. So it was a double whammy. You basically had to memorize all of these buddy interactions, pathways, cheese, really a lot of cheese strategies almost. And if you didn't know it, well, you were playing suboptimally for that class. And then at the end, what's the big payoff? A lot of times the big payoff is like, oh, I'm chasing Amalgadons and, uh, Slingers, for example, which were like those allowed you to get even more Amalgadons. Um, if you remember back in the old days, you take two Amalgadons, you rarely took more than two because a third one tripled it up and that was a throw. But now with Slingers, what happens is you can golden an Amalgadon in the shop, find another Amalgadon, play another Amalgadon, or if you have two Amalgadons on your board, you golden one of your Amalgadons on the board and you can, you know, buy another one. Like, you, you can do a lot of things and now people re can regularly have three, four more Amalgadons. I, I, I can't tell you how many screenshots on Twitter I've seen posted by basically every single person that's like, hey, look at my six Amalgadon board with a Nadina. That's very possible uh, with the the current meta. Uh, and people can have these huge econ spikes, huge power spikes. So yes, I think a large amount of people are happy that's leaving. At the same time, I think we have to recognize that uh, you know, beyond just all the competitive players, the high MMR players, some people are sad to see it leave. So, yeah, I'm happy that they're leaving, but I think Blizzard will take note of that. Uh, I have no idea what their internal numbers are, but I wouldn't be so surprised if we saw them make a comeback. I sure as hell hope they never come back, but I don't know. Anyways, let's talk about this Like, patch. so do you think Blizzard looks at buddies and, like, grading themselves... What do you think they give their buddies experiment? I think the uh, I think the conclusion might just be, hey, I think we might be onto something. We can certainly implement this better, which mm -hmm. I don't think is false. I, I think if you ask a lot of the top players, hey, would you like buddies if it were better balanced? And the answer is always, yeah. the The problem with the buddies was, it's like it was tough to balance and. Uh, if you could take out some of the cheesiness, if you could take out kind of like um, 
yeah i mean i don't think that's that possible stuff. though like that's i don't, I don't know yeah beginning. i don't know the system's it's too possible. complicated that it's not like oh blizzard sucks they can't uh balance it it's no game developer can balance it within any reasonable time yeah um I, i'm not sure if that's possible um but that but might assuming be it's on well, assuming that blizzard knows this themselves. and knows that it will stay on balance what do you think they rate themselves because i mean they had to have sort of known in the beginning at least you think they themselves like a B for the overall thing and yeah. A? I, I I think they would think that it was B fine. plus. I think they would think that it was fine. There was a lot okay. to juggle, right? There was a lot to mm-hmm. juggle. Um, I think that what they can really take away from it is actually not, in fact, um, the buddy system was flawed. It was that our end game was flawed. Uh, that Amalgadon was a little bit too problematic. There were certain builds that were a little bit too problematic. Um, and, you know, maybe it would be okay to have a rigid structure and have every character play differently. For example, um, look at fighting games, right? You select a hero, they fight very differently. You, you have to memorize how to fight with them and everything. Uh, and people accept that. Um, but what ends up happening is once you take this path right whether your buddy is very econ focused whether your buddy is kind of tempo focused you're always trying to get ahead and then you if you have the opportunity you shift into poison you shift into amalgadons you shift into these very homogenized end game strategies and people like don't want that so i think they might view it such that hey you know what people especially the people that are highest up and they've shown that they do care you know they have a not a pro league but they have a a pro scene kind of now so they should care at least somewhat what those people think um i think they might attribute more so a problem with the end game rather than the buddies uh Mm -hmm. themselves which i don't think is necessarily false but it, it also creates the situation in which do you want to create a fighting game right um when people play bgs i don't think they associate it with a fighting game but uh buddies it it does make it more into a fighting game in which it is not about oh i pick up any character and as long as i know sort of like good timing and i know about sort of like oh this is to kick with every character this is to jump this is to punch with every single character if you guys have played fighting games, you know that's not enough. You have to know the hitboxes. You have to know the combos. You have to know sort of like what this character is good against, bad against. Like, how do I fight with them? You know, like, what's what's the neutral game here? Uh, that is closer to what BG becomes once you introduce something like buddies. I don't know if that's something that Blizzard wants. It could be. It could not be i don't know if that's exactly what the audience in its entirety wants you know once again I'm so not sure. i think the 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 net bottom line of blizzard's takeaway is that buddies was pretty good um we did spells last time and it was pretty good got a pretty good reaction buddies is a longer term more intense a lot more resources went into buddies than the whole uh dark moon fair stuff uh, and this was um, also good or possibly even better. Uh, it certainly made a bigger splash. 
And yeah, Dark Moon came back now and then, buddies may come back in the future. But I think the important thing that Blizzard's going to take away from this is that all of this were successes. And this is stuff that people want us to do more of, to keep the game fresh. And it's not like we're destroying the game, except at the top. So, you know, maybe we need to figure something out there with whatever we're doing um, next. But we're going to keep doing this. Based on just the reactions that I've seen from this point of the buddies ecosystem like i know what like i don't know what regular people like casuals will think of it but i knew that the top players were going to hate the system from the very beginning um top players didn't all know that they were going to hate the system but i knew because i could see what's going to happen right i could plot it out a couple steps and a lot of it almost all of it had nothing to do with what blizzard could do a lot of people like you ask top uh, battlegrounds players or content creators like in the beginning before buddies came out how do you like buddies how do you think buddies is going to be a lot of them say stuff like oh, I think it could be good, or I think it's good, and it may become bad if, and then they say the if, and the thing that follows the if is something that will 100% happen. Like, it'll be bad, maybe, if they can't balance it 100%. Why is the if there? Like, it'll, it'll be good if, you know, like this, uh, like they, they do X, Y, and Z, and you're like, they can't possibly do X, Y, and Z. It's not that they don't want to, it's just not feasible. So they're really saying, like, almost all the top players are really saying, buddies sucks from the very beginning they're saying it they're just couching it in language that says if something impossible happens buddies will be good and they're very optimistic about it or you know buddies will be good unless something terrible happens even though the terrible thing is going to be guaranteed um so we're, we're at this point this like i mean we're not like just here now we've been here but the the needs of the top players and the community is diverging in battlegrounds very sharply from what casual players like like this isn't like i think this is it's a huge divergence and blizzard is uh at its base given the you know response i think they're going to take the casual player side and as a if you're like a good player you just got to hope that they they throw you something to control this because this is going to happen again a big giant change that upends everything of battlegrounds that uh that that you know and love or you know that has skill impact and then blizzard's going to catch up on the balancing and not be able to balance it this is always uh I how i don't know when right but yeah. it's going to happen again very soon this is kind of always how things work and we see that blizzard likes to shake things up um they see it as a necessity to keep the game fresh and uh it's it's tough because competitive players high MMR players, they also want new stuff, but they want it to be polished. They yes. want it to have that balance in it. And, um, you know, it it could be, like, the sense of fairness um, is kind of very different uh, when you talk about sort of what seems fair to a casual player uh, and what seems fair to a high MMR player. Um, and part of the reason is just because the actual point system, the actual MMR system, is different. So beyond the philosophical differences mm -hmm. that will be yep. apparent to high-level players versus casual players, uh, and by casual, you can define it either as players who don't play a lot or players who are you know at like 4k mmr 5k mmr I, I would define casuals in any gaming environment as 95 percent of the player base and 75 percent of the played hours sure yeah i think so um and by definition 
beyond the philosophical differences, which will be, you know, like there, uh, those players are playing a different game in which you are sometimes penalized for third place. Like for the people that are the highest up, you know, I've seen it. You basically gain no MMR, or I think there was even a picture or whatever of people losing MMR Mm -hmm. for third place. place. And you get first place. And I I think there was somebody who got like 29 points or something. It it, it gets ridiculous. And and then you get an eighth place and you're like minus 130 KW. So it at you actually are playing a very different game there so all these differences in philosophies i completely understand uh mm-hmm. and and i get it but i think with <laughs> buddies you're right um i think blizzard will look at it and i think they have to think of it somewhat as a su- uh, success i don't think they'll look at it and be like this is just a direction that was a complete mistake uh yeah. there's lessons to be learned here and I think that's fair, right? You can't yeah. just think about the casual mm-hmm. player base, but you can't also just think about the competitive player base. Uh, yep. People want shiny new toys. Everybody. Um, it's just what you're expecting from the shiny new toys. This is like the failure of Blizzard to do anything about the competitive player base. Like, they had tools, and they tried, and they did the best that they could, and the best that probably anyone could. Like, Armor came back, um, like, they did tweaks, you know? It was not... They were timely, they were... Like, Blizzard kind of did about as much as anybody could reasonably expect them to do on the balancing front for the top players. Buddies was just fundamentally impossible to balance for top players. And... I want to say everybody knew it again, but like people weren't admitting it to themselves. But I think everybody, or the vast majority of top players, who like you know think about this game at a high level, knew what this kind of system would do. Um, so I want to tie this back to the arena a bit before we go into what's actually coming—the the amazing Nagas that's going to bring Merps back into battlegrounds—and uh, that is that as arena players, we complain a lot about Blizzard not doing stuff, and Blizzard does like a tiny fraction of the amount of work that they do for battlegrounds for arena and. Arena is a tiny fraction of the player base and viewer base and just the game than uh, the Battlegrounds. Um, but just remember, like, if you don't play Battlegrounds and don't watch Battlegrounds, or if you do, but you're, like, less hardcore with Battlegrounds than Arena, or maybe you're hardcore on both and you've just never made this connection, Battlegrounds was in a ridiculously terrible event meta that destroyed all your incentives to be a good player and punished you for being good in like way more than arena does and it's been there for four months with minimal changes to the top again not because blizzard doesn't care but because it was they committed to a format where it was impossible to achieve any kind of balancing goals at the top and that is their number one game mode. So as arena players, we may be looking around and be like, oh my god, Anixia is in the game, right? What an unfair card. How many Anixias do you see? Is it every game you play? Because that's what Battlegrounds players have dealt with for the last four months. Um, so the one good part about arena is that it does self-balance to a very large degree. And Blizzard does ban cards here and there to make the experience, like, to smooth it over and to make sure it doesn't totally go off the rails. And yeah, you may want Mothership to be banned, and maybe they're not banning it. But these are, like, the amount that these hurt the game is so low compared to what Battlegrounds just went through for top players. So, 
Uh, you know, we we joke that Arena gets no love uh, from Hearthstone uh, from, the, from the Hearthstone dev team, but also know that getting love from the Hearthstone dev team is not necessarily a good thing. In fact, because they're catering to casuals, because they have to, that's kind of how the game company works. You, you almost want them to leave you alone sometimes. Now, for Arena, they've left us alone for too long for the last two years. Um, so, obviously not like that much alone. But, Grand Solutions may not be what top players want. Even if they generate excitement for everybody. Yeah. Synergy picks. Oh, God. Uh, or buckets that have Night Prowler in the first bucket. That's okay. that's another I, I, thing. I think the bucket system was as good as it was bad. I don't think that was like a total loss because it did do some good things while doing equal amounts of bad things, right? Like nobody was that sad when it went away, but also nobody was like, "This is the best thing to happen to Arena for good players." Night. No. All right, all right. Let's talk about Naga. Uh, sure. Uh, so here's here's my plan. Look, um, I want to talk about the Naga patch. I don't really want to go through all of the Naga minions because I, mm -hmm. we're just going to literally read them off. And you guys can do that just by going to either uh, the, you know, the Blizzard website. You can go to Bob's Tavern. People have made really good infographs and everything. So I'm not going to read off all of the Naga minions because I can't give you anything more than here is the minion. Uh, maybe it looks okay. Um, mm -hmm. What I want to talk about are... Fundamental changes uh, mm -hmm. to some old minions. Introduction of new neutral minions and the changes that we kind of see in philosophical design and direction moving forward. So if you're expecting this to touch upon, oh, what are all the new minions? How does that affect it? it I'm not going to do that because I would just read it off and I don't think there's any value added for you guys. But number one, let's talk about some of the big neutral changes. Amalgadon is gone. So this is what I was talking about before in which people were complaining about a homogenized endgame. Amalgadon is gone. It's been replaced by Nightmare Amalgam. If you remember, one of the first terrorizers of BGs ever when it came out. This was back when like Disguised Toast was playing BGs. All right, guys? Wow. Uh, yeah, so uh, Nightmare Amalgam, which is, uh, you know, it's Amalgam, so it has all types. It is a tier 3, 3, 4. Back then it was a tier 2, and it, like everybody was hoping to get that in tier 2. Um, very interesting because... Amalgadon, we've been talking about it for so many major patches, and it's just sort of like, I wouldn't mind seeing it gone. And it went from, I wouldn't mind seeing it gone, to, it has to go. Uh, it was too powerful. It was the thing to reach for in the end game. Poison, Divine Shield, whatever you want. It could soak up stats. Even the plants were kind of useful. Like, the plants were useful for hitting other Amalgadon shields off and everything. So it was just super annoying. I think even if they did very minimal stuff, but just got rid of Amalgadons, it would have been a very welcome change because it completely changes the end game. And I understand you might just end up seeing like, oh, more uh, kind of stat builds of certain, you know, specific tribes instead of like, oh, everything Amalgadon, right? Like the cereal, whoops, all Amalgadon. But I think some people would have been okay with that. It's like, okay, I'd rather see a huge elemental board than 
just another um, Amalgadon with like a Nadina, in, you know, in the second or third slot or, or something um, kind of lineup. So that's change number one. I also like the introduction of Nightmare Amalgam, at least for now. Like, we'll see what happens, right? Because there is still um, to be announced uh, a few things. Uh, so I, I will reserve judgment on that. But you you guys know I've always liked Menagerie. I think Menagerie is just cool. I, like it's kind of the definition of staying flexible, sort of like seeing uh, what you want to do. With Buddies Gone, I think it opens up the game. It kind of just has to. So I'm actually very excited to see what happens with the game whenever you also take out Amalgadon, introduce the Amalgam. The second thing that they did was they got rid of Deadly Spore. So Deadly Spore mm-hmm. was a tier 5, 1-1 one, one poison minion. And you guys all know uh, poison for the longest time uh, was kind of always a fallback. It, it, it went from a fallback to just problematic as well. And then you just had this weird relationship between stats and poison and... It's being replaced by Leroy the Reckless. Same tier 5. It's a 6-2 neutral minion with Death Rattle. Destroy the minion that killed this. So let's think about that for a second. There's situations in which Leroy is better. And then there's situations in which Leroy is worse than Deadly Spore. Uh, So really the situation that it... Let's talk about where it's a little bit worse. Uh, So for right now, you can do something like... Uh, McCall, Trickster, Baron, uh, with something like a Spore or other stuff, you give the health, right, to the Spore, and suddenly it's like a 400 health, 600, 800 health, like 1,000 health, whatever, Spore, just hitting things. Um, You can't do that with Leroy. At the same time, Leroy just obliterates anything. So Spore can hit into a Divine Shield Poison, Spore dies. Leroy get goes into a divine shield poison it dies but it brings the other thing along with it so it is interesting it, it like they blizzard seems to want to introduce these characters that are like okay we want to make this a pure one for one right a pure one for one we don't want you to do at least for now the in the current ways that people are thinking about it and what they have done with Spore, some of this tricky stuff. I'm not saying there's no tricky stuff with Leroy possible, uh, sort you know, now and in the future with whatever mechanics they do, but they do want to move away from Spore for now. Um, next, next, uh, they got rid of Seafood Slinger, which was a tier six five five minion battle cry. Make a Murloc Golden. I was talking about it before. Slinger in combination with Amalgadon made the endgame extremely Amalgadon-centric. Because uh, you could go to Amalgadons, whether in the shop or on your board. Just really problematic. Also what Slinger did, and, and th- this is kind of just the direction that BGs went in general. Starting from, like, I don't know, a year after BGs came out even. Uh... It started getting very APM centric and it kind of continued to get even more and more APM centric. And if you guys watch BGs or play BGs recently, like in this meta, you'll know that uh, when I talk about a rigid early mid game with your buddies, you reach the end game 
a high percentage of time your end game is you know either lots of stats or lots of poisons divine shield whatever but you better apm the shit out of that because you are going to have so many cars your, your econ is rolling you have so much generation you set yourself up to play expert mode DDR at the end in order to build a board of Amalgadons. That is the current state of BGs. I'm not saying Slinger is the cause of it. It is just one of those things mixed with a lot of things together that have made the end game very APM centric. I'm happy that they're removing it for quite a few reasons, although they already removed Amalgadon. So I'm just like, okay, you know what? I think they just see this card as like, this is kind of problematic here. So it's being replaced by Young Murkai, which is a tier 6, 8-5 Murloc. At the end of your turn, adjacent Murlocs trigger their battle cries. Once again, I'm not going to comment on how good this card is, because number one, I suck, and number two, we haven't seen everything yet, so I don't, I don't exactly know, right? I'm, I, I won't comment on that. I will say this is a hell of a lot less um, on its face problematic than something like seafood slinger right like you know these things are always going to be a little bit meta dependent but if you look at something like young murkai you're like okay less apm and also less problematic in terms of combo we right whenever you give make something golden in the shop you buy like you start doing this stuff mixed in with some hero powers mixed in with some other cards and combos and potential you can see how how that's like more of a problem than young merc eye is probably going to be so uh next we have captain flat tusk is moving out uh that which was a tier six minion after you spend four gold gain a blood gem it's being replaced by, by dark glaze elder after you spend four gold, play a blood gem on four friendly Quillbore. Um, this is basically just because of the new like mechanic with uh, like the the spell. What was it? Spell craft? Yeah, yeah, spell craft mechanic. So you don't want to be giving blood gems because that that has like this unfair maybe interaction uh, with the spell craft. Um, so they they just change it. They're like, okay, we still want you to get these stats. Uh, but we, we're just going to play it for you, so you don't get to play it, and then you don't get to play a spell, which means you don't get that effect. It's fair. Um, and then uh, we also have two new minions coming in. Reef Explorer, which is a tier 4, 3, 3, Battlecry, discover a minion of a minion type you don't control. This is going to have interesting implications, because if this is staying in, once again, I don't exactly know what the meta is going to be. We don't exactly know all the minions, I think. So this is a, uh, this is a minion that is potentially going to be exploitable. We've seen stuff like this in which you can isolate, right? It's like, oh, if these tribes are in, those tribes are out. If you just do this and this, you get a guaranteed X. Or like you, you just have a 50% chance at X and X is really, really good. It seems exploitable potentially for in some situations, but otherwise, yeah, you know, kind of cool card. Uh, and then we have Manted Queen. This is a tier six, five, five minion. It's poisonous. Start of combat for each of your minion types gain plus five, plus five, wind fury, divine shield, or taunt. This is the Amalgadon replacement in that it is 
uh, not permanent. It requires you to have different types and you can also kind of get screwed a little bit here. Like it's definitely um, a more tempered version, right? They don't want you to just suddenly in one turn get all of these amalgadons and they all sort of like help each other out as well, right? Like each amalgadon is a type. You have more amalgadons. Your next amalgadon that you play is going to gain even more adapts. The Mantid Queen depends on other stuff uh, and it's not just like a all-encompassing unit like a Malgadon was. So in general, I like these changes, at least philosophically. I like the direction that the devs are going in. Um, I'm not saying that they are identifying these as mistakes, but I think that they are looking at it and being like, okay, uh, these are, if not problematic, at least kind of tiresome for current players. And we should get rid of it, create some change. So once again, not going to focus on the Nagas because I'm I, I can't give you any any thoughts on those. But I think these changes, like the the replacement changes, the neutral changes, are just really good overall. And I I think that this kind of shows, at least to a, a pretty high degree, an understanding of like okay, this is kind of pissing people off, and we at least need a new end game. Everything's going to be new, so I have no idea how things are sh going to shake out, but um, good job uh, to the dev team for doing these things. Yup. All sounds good. I mean, just from my super limited knowledge of, uh, of these guys, and these guys have been around for a long time, I'm talking about the, uh, the Amalgadon and the Spore, uh, it's, it's about time they had a, a giant refresh. Um, like those are, those are cars that all preceded, uh, the buddy system and all that. So it's going to be a giant shakeup, uh, coming in battlegrounds. Um, all right. Is that, is that the end of the battlegrounds analysis or, yeah, or do you have yeah. a, a final, no. a final words? I, it's, uh, to get you back into battlegrounds, that is, you are, must be very optimistic about what is going to happen in arena. I mean, in, uh, in battlegrounds, and uh, what I seeing these changes, I can I can see where you're coming from. It's um, because for those who are not like following this, it's not like Murps left when buddies came because buddies are terrible. Murps hasn't played in a really long time in battlegrounds because the metas have been less than ideal. Uh, for one reason or another, they just haven't been fun. I, I can tell you guys right now, uh, the meta that I had probably the most fun in. Uh, and then coincidentally, the, the one that I reached like my highest MMR and placed on the, the leaderboard, uh, that, number one. that was, uh, oh no, I, I, that was like the beginning of the, that number really one for two hours. Yeah. For like two hours. That doesn't really count. <laughs> um, but the, the one that I had, uh, the most fun with was actually, uh, I know this is going to be controversial. Um, I liked the Elystra meta. I actually really liked the Elystra meta. Um, and I know a lot of people hated uh, that kind of, that unit and what it meant. The reason I liked it was because um, of the positioning battles that occurred in the end. And how for so many turns uh, in the end game, I would just spend like my first 50 seconds scouting seeing if like you know guessing if they had an elystra if they did have an elystra i would have to like plan out the exactly how i place my minions etc etc um i really like that that's the kind of game that i like in which you are able to 
uh, do good scouting, and in doing good scouting, kind of think about the placement of your minions, what you need to get, etc., etc. Um, and I understand how polarizing that unit was for some people, but uh, the type of endgame that it created was something that I really enjoyed. And that is something that, uh, if you know the current meta and the past like two, three metas, we haven't had any of that, right? So um, BGs just went into, in a direction in which the play style and the skills tested really did not match what I wanted out of the game. All right. Well, it's good that BGs are coming back to the hopefully skillful uh, arena, and uh, hopefully they'll they'll do any balance tweaks that they'll need to. Every time you do a big change like this, there's what like 20, 30 cards moving around. Uh, buddy systems going out. It's gonna be a mess. It's gonna be a mess. But they're on top of it, and this meta is going to be a balanceable meta, unlike the previous one. So hopefully Blizzard uh, stays on top of it, and then you know in a couple weeks, maybe a little bit longer than that, you'll actually end up with a, a good battlegrounds meta for for skill players to to unleash their skill on the meta. Which means in the meantime, in the next little bit when everything's a mess, you can uh, you can still level up and learn the skills, learn the cards, learn how to play them. Um, it's a it's a good uh, it's a good setup for whenever they actually balance uh, this this version of battlegrounds. Um, so yeah, uh, let's talk a little bit about Arena before we end the podcast. It's just something that I've been thinking about um, as I play some uh, some more Arena and as we wait for this new balance patch to come that I'll do with some class balancing. Uh, excited to see how that works and uh, this will be the post-Tianding uh, era's first real shot at balancing classes so we'll see how it works um but if it comes on the tuesday patch and i think it will uh just um, my fingers are just crossed that it makes things better and not worse i think for a first attempt that's and especially because this meta is not like super class imbalanced anymore um uh, i think is if they don't make things worse and they make things a little bit better that is actually kind of a huge win uh, it is. Uh, we, we talked about this in the last podcast. But I wanted to look now at the class win rates again. And if you're looking at it, Demon Hunter is number one now at 53.7%, which is not that different from where they've been before. But what's different and why they're number one is that Druid is 53.5%. It has continued to fall even after the initial, um, the initial few days when it was dropping as we expected to drop because Miracle Growth got nerfed. It has continued to fall as people like just figure out how to take advantage of druids now um because they were scared of miracle growth before and now they don't have to be and you can see them play in or draft in a in a different uh, a more different way and as demon hunters go up druids are more vulnerable to demon hunters than to most other classes it, it creates a, a even bigger uh loop um the uh, druids are at 53.5%, which officially means that that one nerf to Miracle Growth, which turned it from like an A-plus card to, I don't know what Miracle Growth is now, I didn't like do the math on it, but like it's either A or a B-plus, it's still a damn good card. The win rates back it up too, Miracle Growth barely has less win rate than like Flipper Friends, right? So maybe a B-plus. Um, so it's not like they nerfed Miracle Growth to hell, they just turned it into a normal good class card, like the way class cards should be. And Druid fell 2% from that one change. 2% is gigantic of a win rate uh, drop. 
And it just goes to show how, how sensitive the arena is um, when you make these kinds of big changes. Um, because again, Miracle Growth anchored an entire playstyle for Druid. It's not the same as just taking a really good card from another class and then nerfing that. Like, this was, this was a, a, a linchpin in how Druids were successful. Um, okay, so besides just another warning um, about what's going to happen in the arena and this attempt at managing classes, we're at two classes right now that's 37.5% roughly win rate with Paladin, at, uh, sorry, at 53.5% win rate and Paladin's at 52.4% win rate. Some other classes are fine uh, as well. Like, the arena ba class balance is actually not, not that bad, um, so... Uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. But what I really want to talk about is diversity in the arena. Not in terms of class diversity, because we know how class diversity happens. You make classes good slash playable, you're going to get as much that class diversity as, uh, as you're going to see. But I'm talking about the diversity of your experience when you face a particular class. Like these days, whenever I face a druid, you know exactly what's coming. They're going to have their flipper friends, they're going to have their miracle growth, they're going to have their anixia probably. Uh, like Raid of Anixia, and that's how the game is going to go, uh, especially as you get up higher in the win rates. There's still, like, variation just in terms of whether they draw their cards or not, or what random legendary they has, or how, you know, RNG works into the game, or, you know, how many Miracle Growths they have, uh, or Flipper Friends, but, but the pattern is pretty similar. And I think this meta, it's hardly the only meta guilty of this for the top classes. Usually top classes have a, a significant element of this, but um, it still shows through. And this kind of feeling comes through, and I think you really feel it, when you have multiple cards that are seen more than 50% of times in decks. That means more than half of the decks have one of these. And whenever more than half the decks have one of these cards, by natural drafting rates, that means on average, each deck has about one and a half of these cards, each deck of the right class. And that is around the tipping point. Like, I don't think 50% itself feels too bad, but anything above 50% starts feeling a little bit, not a little bit, a lot samey when you start facing the classes. And when there's more than one of these cards, so none of the cards should be like that, in my opinion, but if there are more than one of these cards... Uh, it starts feeling very samey. And then you lose a lot of what makes Arena great. Because what makes Arena great, what makes any limited format great, is that you have different experiences each opponent you face. Right? In Constructed, you're facing 4, 5, 8, 10 types of different decks, and you're going to only face those decks. You're going to have near-zero variation. In Arena, there is endless variation. But the endless variation doesn't matter if the key cards that do a lot of the heavy lifting are all the same and everybody has them, right? Like, who cares if you play a Yeti or a uh, whatever the new Yeti is that could draw a cold card also, right? Or like a different kind of four drop. That's not what's making your experience hugely different in the arena nowadays. It might have in Classic. What makes a difference is what kind of these bombs that people are playing, which means that there needs to be some diversity in bombs. And Druid has two of these cards. It's Miracle Growth and Flipper Friends, and they're both offered over 50%. If you think about your other experiences, Demon Hunter has Glaive Shark. Right? I didn't even have to say Glaive Shark. When I said Demon Hunter, you're probably like, oh yeah, Glaive Shark. That'll that 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 card will be there. Because every time you see a Demon Hunter, you see a Glaive Shark and it wrecks you and it sets up their big stuff, whatever it happens to be. Um and it may surprise you to know, but the only other card that fits this definition in the current meta of being seen more than 50% of the time in that particular class is Blood in the Water. Um, and again, every time you face a rogue, 
you see a blood in the water. Uh, blood in the water maybe a little less feel bad than the other two because it's kind of just not as good of a card. Uh, but it's still that same sameness that you see. So why? what do all these cards have in common besides being really good? Uh, why are other cards not seen? Well, they're common class cards from the newest set. There's an offering bonus of about 33% on the newest set. And these are the best cards and they're common in these sets. So they get picked the most often because players are not dumb. They're also relatively simple cards. There's a few cards that uh, I would also say are at the same power level in the new set and they're commons. Uh, but, but they don't get picked as much because people are less comfortable using it. Or they're like literally better for better players and worse for worse players. Um, but, the, but these are the ones that, that kind of are straightforward enough. Uh, and popular enough to get picked. Okay, so how do you fix this problem? I've set up the problem. I don't think anybody really disagrees with me on the problem. Like, I don't think you're going to get people out there who are like, oh, yeah, I think the game will be better with more miracle growths seen in Druids. Like, no, we, we know the problem. Um, the way to fix this, and there's only one way to fix it. The way to fix it is to either lower the offering rate... I mean, the way to fix this is to lower the offering rate, but you can do it in one of two ways. I guess you could do it in one of three ways. One, you can actually just tune down the offering rate of top cards. That seems like kind of a ham-fisted uh, way to do it. Like, if a card is good, you offer it less, right? Or if a card is picked a lot, you offer it less. It's kind of a complicated system for them to, to set up. Um, the, the second way to do it is probably the easiest way, which is just to add more cards into the pool. When you add more cards into the pool, you dilute everything a bit more. We used to have, in the previous uh, uh, rotation, we used to have four and a half sets. Like, when I count full sets now as, uh, as the, the main set plus a stub uh, mini set or one of the old adventures. So we used to have four and a half, and now we have like four and two thirds. You know, four and three quarters, really, sets that, are in, that is in the current meta in addition to, uh, to core. If you're thinking about it in terms of standard play, standard play has anywhere between four sets and six sets, depending on what time of the year. So it's four sets right now. It's gonna when the next expansion launches, it's gonna have five sets. Then when the final expansion launches, it's gonna have six. So they picked four and three quarters, which really I think they mean to like really pick like five to hit that middle spot of what the normal cycle from standard feels like. But I have always been a proponent. I remain a proponent of just doing six full sets. There's enough sets in the arena right now, uh, in the game, historically, and uh, in, you know, more modern, good power level sets, that you can do six sets. And that will allow you to have more diversity in the arena. I think five is fine. They, they've sometimes done as, as little as four sets before in the arena, and that's when things get really bad. Um, but I'm glad they upped it to five or almost five, and I think they can up it a little more if they want to keep this, class, uh, this offering bonus on new sets. And, of course, the third way to lower uh, the offering rate is just to get rid of the new set bonus. Uh, the new set bonus is problematic because it's a bonus. You're increasing the rate that you're seeing by 33%, so people are going to pick these cards more. That's why other super good cards, even better than these cards' cards, do not show up at the same rate uh, index, and it's not as samey. Um, like, when I face really, really good uh, prior cards, I'm, I'm thinking, like, let's say Paladins with uh, Commander, right? Um, that's a super good card. You're going to pick it every time, but 
I don't know what the actual scene rate is. I can look it up right now. But it is much lower than like the 60% that you see with uh, with Glaive Shark. It is... Um, okay, I'm, I'm in Paladins right now. I'm going to look at Percent in Deck. Immortalized in Stone is at 49.4%. Seafloor Savior, 44.8%. Keeper of Aldemon, 30, uh, 38%. Oh, it's actually... Am I missing it? Or is it not a is it not a common? The the eight eight rush? Templar captain? The, yeah. I'm sorry, I called it the commander, the, the captain. Why am I not seeing Templar Captain in the offer rates? Do they do they actually have Okay, Templar Captain oh that Templar Captain's rare, that's why. Okay. Yeah. Bad example. <laughs> okay, yeah, from the beginning, uh, okay. I didn't really know what you were talking about. Okay, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Templar captains rare. Okay, let's ignore Templar captain. Let's talk about I don't know Bronze Explorer, right? Uh, Bronze Explorer is another very obvious, super good card that's fun. Bronze Explorer is seen thirty percent of the time, and that's an auto pick in Paladin. You're literally discovering a dragon, right? What could be better? Um, the highest uh, keeper of Oldemont's probably the highest card that is not in the new set that you see, and that's thirty eight percent. All of these are so far away from. I mean, they're pretty much auto picks, but it's still so far away from fifty percent, right? Uh, Miracle growth is fifty five percent. Glaive shark is fifty six percent. Blood of the water is fifty three point four percent. So. If you get rid of the offering bonus to new sets, and that may happen naturally. Maybe when the mini set comes out, they'll just no longer have offering bonuses to the old new set. Um, but that is another way to do it. But I do like the the offering bonus on the new set. Like, I like seeing more new set cards. That's just, like, those are the exciting cards. Those are the cards we haven't played with yet. We do want to see more of it. And 33%, I think it's a great compromise between having the offering bonus and having the offering bonus be crazy. Because at some point, the offering bonus was, like, plus 100%. And that was, like, not a good time. Um, even though everyone likes playing with the new cards. It's just too much and too samey. So, my my solution to it, uh, to the issue, would just be to add another set in. I think that solves a lot of problems. I don't think anyone complains when there's six sets in the game. Um, you know the game can handle six sets max, because that's how they do the standard rotation. That's how many cards people should be able to have a selection from. Um, and I understand that they pick the midpoint of the cycle rather than the end point, but it's also okay for Arena to not exactly follow standard rules, right? And actually just have the largest amount of cards that, uh, that, standard, can, uh, that standard permits. Um, just because if this is always better, why, why, why not do it, right? Um, so that's just my two cents. And I want you guys, the, the question I want to pose is just, do you notice it? Like... Am I am I just saying things that people don't really like notice or care about, or that this has happened in almost every single meta, and so people just assume this is the way the arena has to be? There's a there was a time right when uh, when arena was just wild, full wild all the time, and then it got to the point where there was no way to play around anything anymore because you could have anything happen at any time, and then they changed it to standard um, to to solve that problem. But we don't have to go all the way back there. We just have to increase the number to six. I think there's. I think we're. The game has grown to a point where we could have a better number of total card pool, so that we can have an offering bonus, which has its benefits, 
while not making all the games super samey. That's it. That's 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 my two two cents on uh, on the state of the game when it comes to um, your experiences facing different classes. Sounds good. What do you think? Do you uh, do you do you think it's a bit samey with uh, when you're facing druids, demon hunters, and I rogues, mean, or are you more or less okay with it at the current state? So here's the thing: um, it's a problem that people do talk about. I, I you don't really watch Twitch, but like uh, if you go to for like. Um, it, for example, if you go to Dred's channel or Redbeard's channel, um, it's something that's talked about. It's something that Dred's has complained about. Um, if you watch one of Red's recent runs, I think he had six blood in the waters. I believe it was like mm -hmm. six blood in the waters. So yeah, it's something that people see and people experience all the time. So uh, no, this is a topic that has been brought up quite a few times. And um, it gets tiresome. Like, the first few times you see Blood in the Water is fine, but once you see it five times in a single game, that gets really, really tiring. So what would you propose? What, what, uh, what, what would your favorite solution be? Like, there's, there's a few solutions that are, you know, implementable. I honestly don't think that they need any sort of offering bonus. Like, I, I, I just personally, I understand it's like, oh, people want to see new cards, um, I think, like, for me, it's just a new meta. Like, a new meta is good enough for me with new cards in it, right? And I want to see how the new cards interact with such meta. I understand that's not for kind of everyone. Once again, we run to this problem where, like, you're going to have some players that are like, I just want a lot of new cards, right? I just want a ton of new cards. And for those players, I don't know. I don't know what the best solution will be because... I know they will be happy with six blood in the waters. I know they will be happy with uh, at least have the chance of being offered a ton of, um, you know, the, the new Paladin cards. Uh, so I don't think there is a great solution that makes everyone happy. But personally for me, I'm okay with there being no offering bonus and just seeing how the new card sprinkles in with whatever meta they choose, whether it's standard, whether it's some curated thing, or whether they're just bringing back like GBG and old gods. I don't know, but I'm okay with no offering bonus. Okay. Uh, I remember there, there was a long time in Arena when there was no offering bonus, and a couple of those new expansion launches I thought were really underwhelming. Because you barely saw the new cards. Because it was... I mean, I'm talking... This was like years ago. Um, because the new sets were not necessarily better than the old sets. In terms of power level. And so you saw them at the same rate as the old cards. And the old cards are just better. So you would just take the old cards. And then you didn't see that many new cards in the in the games. So that's, that's why I do like a, a small offering bonus. Um, but getting rid of the offering bonus would get rid of this problem as well. Um, I think we can keep the benefit, though, if we just increase the card pool by adding a set. More cards. Who, who can be against more cards? Um, especially when they cost ze there's zero cost to adding them into the game. Um, okay. Uh, that's it for us today, I think. Um... We'll be back next week, and we can talk about the results. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we can talk about the results of uh, 
of their class balancing efforts and uh, of the devs' class balancing efforts in Arena, and we will have hands-on experience in the new Battlegrounds to, uh, to see what a return to normal Battlegrounds feels like. All right. Until next week, this is Adwikta. This is Murp. See you guys. Enjoying the Light Forge? For the full rundown on Hearthstone Arena draft strategy, card review, and arena gameplay, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, or twitch.tv at ADWCTA. Support the podcast by sharing us with your friends and family, or become a patron at patreon.com slash grinning goat. Thank you for tuning in, and see you next week. <laughs>